on this episode of Hit the Deck. They say youth is wasted on the young, but this guy's doing all right. Yeah, what a resume this young man has. He's played in other leagues and competitions representing Team Canada, and he's going to be their netminder in the upcoming summer World Ball Hockey Championships. And home is where the heart is. But in Surrey, homeless is where the hat is. The good people in Surrey will collect winter clothing. There is a problem with homelessness. But uh, this city particularly decided to do something about it by playing deck hockey. All this and more coming up on this episode of Hit the Deck. Game on! Welcome to episode 160 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey, in sneakers. And so here we are, we find ourselves once again on another episode of Hit the Deck. We find ourselves recording for your amusement or, you know, other, I guess your mileage may vary, but we are back in the saddle, I guess is what I'm saying. A day late and probably many dollars short. Unfortunately, (laughs) I had some work issues that delayed me and some transit issues that delayed me even more. Gotta love that New York MTA. Uh, But here we are. Better late than never, I hope. I figure (laughs) most of you listen to this probably not on the day it releases anyway, so a very small amount of you hopefully will be inconvenienced. But since we hate to inconvenience any of you for any reason, we apologize for that. So, who is the we that is apologizing to you? I will tell you in tonight's starting lineup. So, for tonight's starting lineup, in goal as ever, I am number 35, your American rhino, Gary McComiskey, and of course, my steadfast co-host. On defense, number four, I'm James Sajazi. How you doing, pal? I'm doing pretty well, thanks. Just fighting off a nasty cold and whatnot, but uh, I apologize if I sound extra nasally than usual, but how you doing? I'm okay. I think, for the record, I think you sound fine. No worse than usual. Uh, okay. Wait, no, that sounds bad. No, that... you, you, you sound approximately how you usually sound, is what I should have said. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Oh, boy, we're already. Uh, anyway. Honesty is the best policy. <laughs> no, 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 it's not no, what no, I meant. It's not what I meant. I promise. I mean, I'm going to the box. No, not at all. Oh, the dead man's going to come to take me away and lock me away in the box. No. We need the American Rhino. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, speaking of uh, Undertaker, how- For two minutes, I'm going to have to sit in peace. Oh, the poor listener. Uh-huh. Sorry, you were going to ask about the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, with, speaking of how, asking how you're doing, how was the uh, Royal Rumble? It was a lot of fun, actually. He did not appear at the Royal Rumble, but one person that did make a surprise return at the Royal Rumble, which I was giddy as a schoolgirl upon seeing, I was jumping around in my living room and knocked some stuff off the top of my entertainment center, but that's neither here nor there, was the return of the Rated R superstar, Edge. You think you know me. On this day, I see clearly, I don't know all the words. But it was nice to see him back. You could tell he was really getting emotional. He, uh, for, for those of you who don't know, and I'll make this quick, Edge is a wrestler who was popular during the, the Attitude Era. The, I would say, latter days of the Attitude Era, but still, he was a, a fixture in that era. 
uh, of wrestling of the late 90s and early 2000s and uh, and and beyond that he was popular but uh, you know mid, into the mid 2000s no actually into the early 2010s the very early 2010s he was he was popular and so Unfortunately, he had neck surgery and he had a whole bunch of problems uh, with his neck and his spine, which caused him to unexpectedly have to retire. Like he was having some pain. Uh, he, this was right after he won a title at WrestleMania. He was having some pain. He went to the doctor, had like an MRI or something. And they said, hey, guess what? You have to retire immediately because you could get paralyzed at any moment if you continue wrestling. So he unexpectedly had to retire. That was nine years ago. He retired coincidentally from spinal stenosis, the same thing that caused David Wright to have to hang it up. Hmm. And um, so he apparently he said he felt better as the years wore on. And he got to a point where he felt like he actually could wrestle again. He worked, you know, his tail off and got back into wrestling shape. He went to the doctor got scans, x-rays, MRIs, what have you, got cleared to wrestle, and he is now back for who knows how long, probably not that long, but he is back for the time being, and uh, the WWE Universe rejoices as a result. Absolutely, that's a great story, and a great character and wrestler, and also, too, that we love uh, Edge and, and Christian. Yes. From uh, their uh, hijinks on the WWE Network and stuff like that, too. Just really funny, talented guys, so that's a great story, so happy. And uh, very glad to hear that one of your favorite wrestlers is back at it, too. So, great story. My third favorite wrestler of all time, uh, uh, if you want to be technical. <laughs> well, I mean, Behind Mick Foley and, of course, The Undertaker. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's quite a trio. So, yeah. very, very huge company there uh, in, mm. in the wrestling world. Were you able to catch any of the uh, NHL All-Star Weekend festivities by any chance on TV? I saw none of it, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know I'm a bad hockey fan, but I, I didn't... <sighs> I forget what exactly was happening, but I wound up being busy for really everything. Friday night, we were recording the podcast, and and then uh, Saturday, I don't remember. I I don't actually no, we didn't record the podcast on Friday. What was I doing on Friday? Yeah, I was out for some reason. I think your on Friday. During which she performed um, this year an Irish uh, routine. She did um, Lord of the Dance, which is I, I always learned as a slower hymn growing up and, and in choir when I was a youth. But she found a fast version of it uh, by the Dubliners and sang that and, and did a little step dance that she learned from a friend of hers. And uh, she did quite well. So. I'm very proud of her. I'm sure you are, and I'm sure she did an excellent job, and I would love to see the footage if there is any. Uh, yeah, we can work something out. Okay, good. Thank you. So, um, yes, yeah, so congratulations to my daughter for that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, sorry. So that I, I, I was not around on Friday night, and on Saturday I spent, like, all day editing the podcast and then, like, passed out. That's devotion. Podcasts. Podcasts. <laughs> yes, Hit the deck right. and our other podcast, our brand new podcast, Vintage Picard, all about the brand new show, Star Trek Picard, streaming only on the CBS All Access service, unless you're not in this country, in, in Europe, I believe, and other places, it's on Amazon Prime. Absolutely, absolutely. So yes, uh, devotion. So legitimate, legitimate reasons for not watching the NHL All-Star game and, and the... Um, 
skills competition. But any uh, good? Yeah, the Friday night it was it was interesting. It was fun. It was in St. Louis again, and uh, they did a great job of incorporating some great St. Louis blues of the past, uh, like McInnes and, and Hull. So that was cool to see those guys and other great uh, St. Louis blues that have worn that uniform uh, or jersey or sweater. Did uh, did Gritty make a spectacle of himself again, or was he keeping a low profile this year? You'd think that he would be keeping a low profile, but if we do get a This Week in Gritty coming up in the podcast, the only thing that I did see that he did, and he's not been incarcerated yet from the other hijinks that we brought up in the last edition of Hit the Deck. Allegations, okay. unproven as so, yet. Uh, you're right, I'm sorry, I apologize. He was seen pretending to hand a stick to a fan. Aww. Uh, but he just dangled it there and did not give the stick to the fan. So, of course yeah, not. Gritty is is just I don't know, just a jerk. <laughs> yeah. So, well, what else is new? So that was going on. But for at the, least the fan didn't get a cake to the face. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. From what I saw, at least um, that was nice. And uh, so the skills competition was fun. Again, it was a little bit different this year. They kind of tinker with it over the years, too, mm-hmm. whereas uh, mm-hmm. there was points and such, um, and they didn't really do the East versus West anymore. But, um, you know, they had the accuracy competition, mm-hmm. which was interesting this year because there was a new setup where they had a, they didn't have a net. It was the shape and size of a net, but there was plexiglass and it was video. So there were five targets to hit. So the two on top, corner two in the bottom corner and then one in the center and then each nhler they weren't receiving passes either they just had the pile of pucks and would shoot at the uh the net quote unquote and then uh there was infrared that would see if the puck hit the target or not and it looked like there were a couple of times that the puck did hit the target but it didn't register but it was still pretty impressive technology going on and the skills of the nhlers are just amazing well like any new technology it's a work in progress and I'm sure over the years they'll tweak it, fine-tune it, and make it work well. Or yeah. they'll ditch it entirely. Right. The other cool thing, too, was uh, Matthew Barzell just narrowly was faster than uh, Connor McDavid. So the Islander fans had something very cool to root for and, and watch. And that's just amazing how fast those guys are. So mm. very, very uh, great job by Matthew there. Also, too, the um, save streak was for the goalies. So that, that was interesting. But the new thing that they did this year was they it was the deck hockey version if you will they had a platform on one side of the arena okay and it was about 30 feet it was in the stands about 30 feet high and the idea was they had the current all-star some some guys shoot at targets on the ice so in the middle there was a big it looked like the arch of st louis okay with a big net and that was 10 points and then they had other little areas to to shoot the puck at but they were in sneakers, and they were shooting, it looked like the, the orange biscuit at these so targets. Th- this is like a driving range situation? It, that's exactly what it looked like, right. Okay, um, got it. So uh, it was fun and interesting. I appreciated the deck hockey part of it. I don't know if they'll bring it back next year. It was kind of, you know, again, it was fun and interesting and something worth trying, but I wasn't totally impressed by it. But overall, uh, it, it, was, uh, it was a great event nonetheless. On the whole, how accurate were these guys with that? Yeah, it was pretty amazing. They kept going for the biggest target, which that net was, which for, I think it was 10 or 20 points, I forget offhand. And uh, so they were all going for that. And a lot of the times it seemed like they were righties shooting more than lefties and the puck kept veering to the right. So they had, (laughs) yeah, they had cameramen on the ice on the opposite corner. And then of course the goalies, because you guys are the best people in the world, came out. 
to make sure that nobody was going to get hurt because a lot of times the pucks were going over there and the goalies had their pads on and they were still blocking the pucks from hitting anybody or going anywhere else. Well, that's that's interesting. Okay, good. Good for them. Yeah, and then the event itself on Saturday, you didn't miss anything because the Metropolitan Division went out quick, and uh, that was that. Speaking of Metropolitans, I, I saw that we linked on our Twitter account that Seattle is still kind of uh, teasing its fans about what the name of the new franchise is going to be. And there have been many suggestions. The Kraken, or Kraken, I guess, depending on how you prefer to pronounce that, is, I think, far and away the front runner for the new franchise name. But I saw many, many suggestions from fans as to what the franchise should be named. And one of them was the Seattle Metropolitans. So we'll see, we'll see what they come up with ultimately. Okay, well, you're teasing one of the uh, parts of next week's Hit the Deck, so that's really oh. interesting. I did not hear I that. I will about say no Metro- more. No, 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 no. That That's great. I'm very excited about that. I didn't hear about the Seattle trying to steal from our beloved Metsies. So interesting. Well, I, I think it's just like submissions from fans. So, you know, it's it's like, I don't know if they're considering the name. It's just something that at least some, one person suggested. Well, it's a great name, and um, there's no coincidence that the American Rhino did make an appearance in Seattle recently, so maybe they're trying to impress you. Recently? It was like three was or a couple four years, years ago. ago at this point. <laughs> in terms of podcasts, that's recently. Uh huh. 2016, I think. Summer and fall of 2016 is when I went there. Wow, yeah, gosh, so, almost four years ago. It was ago. a while ago. Yeah. Right. But, um... Okay, Time flies yeah. when you're miserable. But anyway. uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> So, uh, any, anything else noteworthy from the All-Star Weekend? Um, not offhand. I think we basically got everything. Okay, well, before we get the podcast proper underway, there is one more thing that I would like to address. And I, I feel bad. I'm, I'm sorry because this seems to be a trend lately on Hit the Deck. But unfortunately, it's, it's unavoidable. Uh, it's something I feel like I have to cover. So, this past week, there was another death, uh, another impactful death. Here in the New York area, at least for somebody uh, who grew up listening to CBS FM, the local oldies station, as I did. And uh, so one of the DJs who was on that station for many years, who I grew up listening to, literally grew up listening to, because that station was on in my house morning, noon and night, was uh, Harry Harrison, the morning mayor. Now, if you're not from this area, that may not mean anything to you. But Harry Harrison was somebody who was a veteran of New York radio for, you know, 20 plus years when I was born. So he was somebody who was a fixture in this town and he was he was clean. You know, he was he was one of those old New York radio disc jockeys who had a sense of humor, but it was very family friendly humor. You know, the the. The most uh, edgy or controversial things he would do is to tease the weatherman, Mr. G, about like being cheap or ugly or something like that. But it was friendly, you know, good natured ribbing. It wasn't malicious. They were very friendly. They had a great rapport. And Harry Harrison passed away this week at the age of 89. God bless. And he, uh, you know, he was somebody that had a lot of meaning to me personally because in addition to the fact that I grew up listening to him like almost every morning during the week, he also had a, it wasn't a song. It was kind of a spoken word thing that was done over uh, an instrumental of Auld Lang Syne, but 
something called May You Always, wherein he would basically he would just wish you, uh, by his own words, not the biggest and best of life, but the small pleasures that make living worthwhile. He would list off all these things that he he wished for you, the listener, to experience. These these small things that would just bring joy and happiness to your day. Sometime soon may you be waved to by a celebrity, wagged at by a puppy, run to by a happy child, and counted on by someone you love. More than this, no one can wish you. So every year around Christmas time, I listen to that, and it's always been a very special thing for me, a touchstone. I think of Harry Harrison every year when I listen to that. And to know that he's not around anymore, even though he's been off the air for, I don't know, 15 years, uh, he retired ago, give or take, knowing that he's no longer actually here, it just sends me. So, you know, happy trails, Harry. May you resume your mayoral duties up in heaven in that that uh, that radio station in the sky. Yeah, amen. Well said. And uh, especially on behalf of all of us podcasters and wannabe broadcasters or whoever else. And I agree. I share those memories with you, American Rhino. My mom always had CBS FM on and uh, driving me to school, too. We'd always have the morning mayor. So very sad. And yeah, God bless. And, and you know, well said, American Rhino. And also, too. We'll just um, chime in with the Kobe Bryant disaster, how uh, horrible we feel about that. And it's very, very sobering, too, not only because of what a great athlete he was and, you know, a great competitor that he was, but he's a couple of months younger than I am. So, uh, you know, he was born in August of uh, 78. So that just makes it, um, and, and, you know, he lost his 13-year-old daughter with him. And there were other people on the helicopter as well, including John Altobelli, who is a, um, was you know, a uh, very popular and, and influential baseball coach and uh, even touched um, McNeil of the uh, currently of the New York Mets with his talent. So he lost his life and, and I think uh, he lost his daughter, too. So, you know, we're really brokenhearted about all of that. Again, as the American Rhino said, and I don't know what's going on with the last few podcasts, why so many celebrities and people that we care about are passing away. But we just wanted to, you know, offer our condolences to for that and um, how upsetting it was. So that was put her big Paul on the weekend of the NHL All-Star game too. And, he, you know, Kobe Bryant even had some connections with hockey and, and baseball and other sports. So, you know, um, Harry Harrison and Kobe, it was a tough week. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's move on then. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, there's no real good segue out of something like that. So let's just try and push past it and, and cheer ourselves and you up a little bit. <laughs> if such a thing is possible, I think such humor and, and, and such uh, entertainment will be derived from hearing about some real legitimate hockey talk. So as I always do here on the podcast, James, I will defer to you. Can you please tell us, would you consider please telling us what is on deck for this podcast? That I'd be happy to, and I don't want to talk about any more deaths. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Called up, Matteo Petrelli, a young goalie from British Columbia, will be Team Canada's netminder in this summer's ISBHF Under-20 World Ball Championship. An article from the MapleRidgeNews.com has some of the details on how he earned it. And it's Toke Tuesday again. Sticking around British Columbia, the first Tuesday of February means it's time to play deck hockey and help the homeless. 
And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You're welcome, sir. All right, so who is this young man, this Matteo Petrelli, this young netminder who is taking Canada by storm? Yeah, what a resume this young man has, and uh, something that you can relate to American Rhino, as he is a fellow goalie, and deck hockey goalie at that. He has the experience, too. He's played in other leagues and competitions representing Team Canada. So he's going to turn 20 at the recording of this podcast this month, February. And he's going to be their netminder in the upcoming summer World Ball Hockey Championships. And that's going to be held in Switzerland on June 21st through the 29th. As a goalie, I'm sure that Mr. Petrelli is hoping for a lot of Swiss misses. You're <laughs> Very good. Now, uh, his resume is most impressive, as we were saying. He's even won gold for Canada in the past with the Under-16 World Championships, and that was in the UK back in 2016. And uh, yeah, again, he led his team to gold and was the tournament MVP as well. Yeah, I, I gotta say, that's a little bit intimidating. I mean, I was 16 once. And I didn't win anything, like, ever in high school. I, I could, you know, I, I ran track in high school and badly. And I, I like, I won a, one medal once in one of my last races ever. And, like, I can, you know, I came in 47th out of a possible 50 medals in, in cross-country, in the cross-country season. And so, I mean, that was exciting for me. But you think of your average 16-year-old like, oh, I, I have this bowling trophy or I got this certificate from school. How about you? I got a gold medal. No big deal. Like, you know, he's setting the bar kind of high for the rest of us. Yeah, that uh, is very humbling. As I was saying before, too, about Kobe Bryant, just uh, I'm, I'm a couple of months older than he is. And it's really very humbling to see how much talent really means and God-given talent can do for somebody when you see this, it's a similar age or you have a similar background. And it's really, really remarkable what separates the men from the boys, if you will, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, well, we talked about Edge earlier in the podcast. When he retired, he was in his mid thirties. And, you know, to, to think that he had his entire wrestling career as like a, a world champion, not, I mean, not, he wasn't a world champion for the whole time, but he had his entire career, vast amounts of success, lots of money. I'm sure, you know, he, he, he won that, that belt, that world championship belt numerous times, multiple, multiple time tag team champion, like just, just ridiculous amounts of success, you know, and, and he had to hang it up. He was like five years younger when he had to stop wrestling than I am uh, or like four years younger than I am now. And I haven't accomplished anything that messes with your head. I got to tell you. Yeah, it, it, it really does. And I'm older than you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, But uh, getting back to this bright young man and um, Mr. Petrelli and who knows what the future can bring too, because the cool thing among other things of Switzerland is they have a professional ball hockey league. What the heck you say? Hey, <laughs> it's true. And they're saying that there are going to be scouts watching this tournament. And uh, it seems like the ISBHF is a great platform to see if this young man can be uh, wooed away from Canada 
and be paid to play professional ball hockey. I don't suppose this league needs any broadcasters. Let's see. Hey, you know, um, my brother gave me a Movado watch for being his best man uh, for his wedding a few years ago. So there's my connection with Switzerland. <laughs> Let's see what else if we could pull some strings or something. The only thing I know about Switzerland, besides like the army knives, yes, is uh, the the wrestler Cesaro is from there. Ah, okay. He's Swiss Superman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were telling me about his freaky strength too, by the way. Oh yeah, the guy speaks like five languages or or more. I may be underselling that. He's like super duper crazy strong. He's very well educated and intelligent. He's just he's like he's great. He is a person who is worthy of respect. Well, they're doing something right in Switzerland, so yeah, the American Rhino and I will we'll throw our hats in uh if they need broadcasters for the professional ball hockey league. I'll throw my hat in anywhere. I'm desperate. <laughs> yeah, we need to eat. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Honestly, we'd have to probably learn the teams. We'd learn have to learn how to pronounce team names and and player names, which I mean Maybe, maybe difficult. Don't know how to say his name. It has like 30 letters in it. None of them are vowels. So maybe I shouldn't try and uh, volunteer us for anything. Well, you know, we do have experience being NHL fans with some of the names that you have to pronounce. So I think we'll be okay. We'll learn. We'll learn. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> Let me dream, please. Okay. You got it. Let's do that hockey. But in reality, if you wouldn't mind American Rhino telling us, how uh, Mr. Mateo feels about uh, deck hockey versus ice hockey. Oh, well, <laughs> well, Mr. I'm, I'm glad you asked James. <laughs> Allow me to inform you of this fact. Uh, what a, what a natural transition there. Seamless. So anyway, um, yes, Mateo Petrelli does play ice hockey in addition to ball hockey. And he is, uh, you know, he enjoys both. But you may be surprised to learn, or not, given the focus of this podcast, he actually prefers ball hockey because he can move around better. He feels like in sneakers, it is easier for him to move around positionally than it is in skates. Now, I have found that as well. However, I don't skate very well, contrary to whatever James will tell you. I don't skate very well, and I've tried to move around the crease in skates just messing around, and I have had great difficulty. I'm sure if I had skated all my life instead of coming to it late in life, I would be much more comfortable doing that. But as it is, I struggle to skate backwards, which is a, a key fundamental skill that any goalie needs to have. Plus, uh, you know, like turning and being able to slide back and forth comfortably, all that stuff, I can't really do that very well. So even though I'm sure Matteo Petrelli is uh, more, much more adept at being able to do that than I. Still, I am not at all surprised to find that he prefers ball hockey to ice hockey in that regard. And the other thing, too, is I'm sure the listener may be bringing this point up, as uh, the American Rhino has pointed out, that the surface that I'm um, sure that they play on is a much smoother surface, if you will, than what we're used to, the concrete or asphalt, so that the pads sliding back and forth wouldn't be as friction-based and uh, you wouldn't have to fight that much as you would on concrete or uh, asphalt, I'd imagine, right? Sure. I'm sure if you have a nice smooth sport court or something comparable, 
then your pads will, I mean, it's not, it's not a perfect analog. That's why companies make, you know, slide plates for goalie pads. Now, I don't think those are legal equipment in, you know, tournaments or, or anything like that. So I don't know that any goalies actually use them in those capacities. But, you know, for your rec league or something, then I've seen goalies use them and have success with them. But yeah, I mean, you're you're definitely not going to be sliding like you would on the ice, but on a, a professional surface, yeah, you can definitely get some movement. All right. And then finally, too, the other crazy thing is that for a tournament this big and so much at stake in the world of ball hockey, and of course it, it starts from June 21st through June 29th of this summer in Switzerland, they only have a four-day training camp. So Mr. Matteo Petrelli isn't going to be able to practice with his teammates until they all go to Switzerland and have just a four-day training camp to gel together and then jump right into doing the seven or eight game tournament and compete at such a high level. To me, that's something I just can't wrap my head around. That I'm sure, obviously, all these players, in, especially in international competition, as we know from the Olympics, are the best of the best. So I guess that would make it easier for them to just get together in a brief amount of time and turn into a team because I guess that they're also very talented and hopefully they will have the great mentality of being good teammates and learning to play with each other and get along and, and things of that nature. But I always find it fascinating. One of my favorite parts about uh, being in a team is that you kind of grow together and the more you practice together, the more you play together, you you know each other and you can anticipate and you know your your weaknesses and strengths and just the ins and outs of strategy so that to me is just really amazing that um they they they're going to wait that long before they actually all get together and practice honest question james what do you think is harder gelling together as uh in that short amount of time like and when i say gelling together i guess i'm using that because that's the verbiage that mr petrelli used but do you think it's harder for defensemen? Uh, you know what? I'll even separate it out into three groupings. Forwards, defensemen, or a goalie to adjust to uh, their teammates' tendencies in that kind of time? Yeah, that, that's a great question. To me, I'll treat it like a band, like um, or at least a rock band, that they say the drummer and the bassist set the tone for the rest of the, the, the rhythm and, and keeping the balance and stuff. But the stars are the lead singer and the lead guitarists. So I'll take it that way that I think it'll start with the goalie and then to the defenseman. Obviously, that's what I know best because I think that unless you're a center and we'll save that for the last part, but as as a winger, your primary goal is to score or shoot on net. So that's kind of, you're already going to be in the zone and waiting to anticipate passes and things like that. For defensemen, I think it's a little bit harder because one, you have to know your positioning and uh, if you're going to be a defensive defenseman or be a little bit more aggressive, that's something that I think you really need to get that down as quick as possible because uh, your primary function is to play defense and then your secondary function is to start the play and get that puck to the guys that can light the lamp. So for a goalie, he has, as you've pointed out too, is everything's in front of you. So you can, you see where the positions are, who's the open man, or if there's some, who, who's on you, if you have time, if you have room. So once the goalie establishes that, then I think you can work from there and um, 
figure it out. For a center, too, it's a little bit more difficult because you have to play both defense and offense. And then I think you're probably more concerned with passing to the wingers, too, because to me, I think that wingers, their primary focus is to shoot and to score. So it's, yeah, to, to say what the hardest part is, I would think that the goalie has the most responsibility on that because not only does he have to worry about, or he or she, uh, worry about keeping the puck out of the net, but you have to worry about what's going on in front of you and starts with the defense. So are your defensemen, are they going to be dancing all over the place and blocking you and blocking shots or uh, getting too aggressive or whatever the case is, and they're not doing their job to get the puck to the offensive players, so to speak, and are those offensive players, are they greedy, are they puck hogs, you know? So uh, I think the the primary responsibility would probably be once you got the coach down, the goalie, and then you could see how the team goes from there. So you kind of build your way up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm going to agree with you on that, which is boring, but I'll explain my reasoning. So with the caveat that I have very little experience out of the crease, so I, I don't necessarily know of what I speak. However, this is my thinking. So on the surface level, I think the goalie would kind of have the easiest time with that because at its most basic, the function of a goalie is to see the puck and stop the puck. So if you can see everything in front of you and see where the puck is coming from, then knowing you know your teammates' tendencies would not appear to be that integral to the position. However, at the level that these players are playing at, or what I would assume the level that these players are playing at, it goes far beyond the surface level. These are are guys who, you know, like they're basically professionals or close to it. And the kind of skill that you're talking about at this level, then any, you know, any jabron can see the puck and stop the puck. That's not the shots that are going to score the goals. It's the rebounds and the positional plays and the, uh, you know, the, the set plays and that kind of thing that's going to catch you on, on most of the goals. So I would say from that standpoint, what I think is probably the case is that a forward or a defenseman can sit on the bench or, or whatever, or even before you get to training camp, they can hash out plays you know they can they can look at a diagrammed play or or get instructions from a coach and say okay you cover this side you cover this side here's the x's and o's when you do this you do that this is our set play you do that i mean i obviously i know it's easier said than done and it takes practice to execute that and get comfortable with that but you can have a basic idea of what your your players tendencies are however as a goalie you need to get on an instinctive level. You need to know, you know, at that level, you need to know, you know, how your players are going to play the puck as a play unfolds, where they tend to, to move the puck. If they can take it away, if there's a rebound, who's going to cover what side, what side do you as a goalie have to be strong on? And that's something that I think takes time to, to really kind of integrate into yourself. So that's my analysis on the situation. Listener, if you have experience with this and you think we're totally off base, we want to hear from you. Let us know. Tweet at us at hitthedeckpod or email us at hitthedeck at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Maybe we're way off base. 
we can revisit it if you have some thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, because the only other experience that the American Rhino and I have are just from tournaments that we joined in where we didn't even know who our teammates were going to be. The only teammate I had was the American Rhino and vice versa. And then all of a sudden, hey, bam, there's your team. <laughs> Away you go. You know, you don't even have a chance to warm up or yeah. know what's going on. Yeah, a, a, a true pickup tournament. Yeah, so absolutely. I'd, I'd love to hear the listener as well. So thank you for inviting the uh, listener to chime in, American Rhino. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, this podcast is a democracy. Everybody can contribute. Yes. And speaking of contributing, we'll go back to British Columbia. And we did talk about this last year too, but it's so good and important that we have to talk about it again because it's an annual thing and it should be promoted and more cities should do stuff like this, especially here in New York. Personally, for me, I've been riding the subway a lot more often now because of where I have to work. I'm back in, in the city as opposed to driving or whatever the case is. And I've noticed that there are a lot more homeless people on the subways and just on the streets and things and and in the subway stations than I remember in the past. Speaking of four years flying by, you know, it was basically 2016 was the last time personally that I had to use the subway on a daily basis. So up in British Columbia, in a town called Surrey, They have actually all around Canada, there is a problem with homelessness, but uh, this city particularly decided, and they're just south of Vancouver, they decided to do something about it by playing deck hockey and raising awareness for the homeless problem and donating for these poor people because they're human beings. And it's really a darn shame that somebody has to be homeless and, and suffer through that. So maybe New York can take a page from this too. But uh, anyway, uh, the good people in Surrey. And also, too, if you're curious, I looked this up because, as uh, again, we we alluded to this in Hit the Deck 129, by the way. Uh, Last year, I thought it was pronounced took. And this year, I found out it's pronounced toke. And what this object is, is just a ski cap or a knitted cap. Yeah, James, I'm going to have to blow the whistle on you on this one. So I, 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 too, did some research when I saw this topic. And I believe there is a bit of a disconnect here. What I discovered and where I think the confusion lies is it would seem that in the UK, England and whatnot, they call a chef's hat a toque. However, in Canada, from every source that I've been able to find, from pronunciation guides to people who actually live in Canada saying the word, it is pronounced toque. Toque. I'm O for two. O for toque. <laughs> well, thank you, American Rhino, for explaining. No, no, that's fine. It's an easy mistake to make. And in fact, some of the, the guides that I saw online were very, like, I, I, I want to say lazy, because they uh, some of them say toque, even though it's, you know, like, not... <laughs> From, from everything I've been able to discern. And, and again, the English pronunciation is toke. And I think even in here in America, uh, some people would refer to that chef's hat as a toke. And toke and toke are spelled the same way. So, you know, it's unless you specify, you know, Canadian toke, you could easily become confused as to which 
word you're trying to pronounce. Thank you for explaining that, and I apologize for my sloppy research. No, no, it's fine. As I said, it's a confusing topic. <laughs> and uh, so the only way that I'll remember this in, in the, the hockey connection is Tuka Rask, the great goalie of the Boston Bruins. So it's Tuke. He came in out of the cold and took off his ski cap. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, he, you know, as great as NHLers are and as generous they are, I'm sure he'd be happy to donate too. And, and they do a lot of great work through the Boston Bruins and, and other NHL teams around the league, by the way, in terms of uh, helping out their communities and things of that nature. But uh, thank you for explaining that. And I apologize for mispronouncing two years in a row now. So there you go. <laughs> I think last year we set the record straight. We took care of it. Thank you, sir. Anyway, if you happen to be up in uh, Surrey, they will have the event on February 4th. Of course, that's the first Tuesday of uh, this year's February 2020. And it's in the Surrey Civic Plaza. And they will collect winter clothing from not only the players and the participants, but also the uh, people, the spectators that will come and root on their friends and family participating in the games themselves and this is all deck hockey so it's all ball hockey and uh, it goes they say that they expect about 18 to 20 teams this year which is really cool and that ranges from firefighters to police to people in city hall and uh, other community organizations as well so is this a strictly municipal tournament or can anybody form a team and join i believe that anybody can form a team. But yeah, it seems like that uh, majority of the teams are municipal. But I guess that's the whole point because these people live in the community and they work for the community and they care about what's going on. So that just makes a lot of sense. But I do think that uh, people, uh, citizens, if you will, can form their own teams and compete. Uh, I just would be very careful between uh, playing against police officers and firemen too, just in case, you know, you don't want to tick those guys off. See, now, I was thinking maybe since it's just taking place in Surrey Civic Plaza, it's just a question of people looking out the window of their offices and saying, hey, grab a stick, eh? You know, they, they know how to play hockey, uh, and, and they, they have their hearts uh, in the right place when it comes to, to hockey up in Canada, so maybe it's just part of the day of, of, of working. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Like, here in America, at some jobs, they will give you a day off to do something charitable, like build a house or go to, you know, help out at a homeless shelter or something. Perhaps in Canada, they, uh, they give you like charity time off to play hockey. Or it's just their lunch break to play. Yes, hockey. I guess that's, that's also possible. <laughs> anyway. Um, it's also the, uh, the charity organization behind the whole thing is called raising the roof. Raise the roof. They have a website, and uh, we had a link to it last year. We will put a link to it again. Uh, I believe you could probably even contribute, too. I'm sure that they could use a few bucks as well. But it's a great tournament, and um, from the heart, very important. So best of luck, and everybody have fun, and I hope it's a great success. Actually, in Canada, I think it's pronounced Rofe. Yeah, I give up. <laughs> it's not. I'm just busting your chops. Well done, sir. Thank you. It's my Brooklyn accent. Yeah, that's okay. It really, it's fine. Any excuse um, I could come up with. You know, speaking of accents, this is, see, this is going to come off as me sounding smart. Like, I think I'm clever because I figured something out, but it's really just something I find amusing. So I was watching the WWE 
a, a week or two ago. I was watching, I guess, Monday Night Raw, and one of the the women on the show, the business manager of one of the wrestlers, she was giving a backstage interviewer, and she's like this Latina firecracker kind of, but she's also a professional. She, you know, she comes off as as being professional, so she has a very kind of um, measured tone in the way she speaks. But just one of the words that she said was, you know, the way she pronounced it was not in keeping with her normal pronunciation. I said, is she from Queens? <laughs> and I looked it up and sure enough, she she is, in fact, from Queens, uh, which is the borough of New York where I am from. Well so, done, uh, Detective Rhino. Yeah, no, I just, you know, I've been I've been hearing like Queens and Long Island all my life. So I heard that and I, it immediately perked up my ears. That's all. Well done. Yeah. That is, um, Zelina Vega, if you are interested, but, uh, yeah, so that, that's all I have. That's, you know, just something silly. Thanks for bailing me out again. American Rhino. No, with, with what? That's, uh, that's what we do. That's what partners are for. Just like when we play, you're always bailing me out. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. As a goalie, it's kind of my job to bail everybody out. That that comes with the mask. Well, but uh, you know, the it goes both ways. Sorry to keep you in uh, constant practice. No, no, it's better. Uh, I wish I had a little more practice, honestly. But uh, that's neither here nor there. So yeah, I I think I think that's probably gonna wrap it up. James, you agree? Yeah, sure. I'm glad that there's nothing to mention with that big orange goofball anymore. So at least no, for now. He's, uh, he seems to have been laying low this week, apart from whatever you talked about at the beginning. So good. So perhaps we will hear more about him next week. But in the meantime, let's shut this thing down. Last minute remaining in the podcast. So, dear listener, as we draw another podcast, another episode of Hit the Deck to a close. We want to thank you. We want to thank Anthony Sajazi for providing us with music, but we want to thank you for tuning in and listening to another episode. We hope we entertained you, and we hope that you found your time listening to us valuable. So if you'd like to continue to listen to us, please, we would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, obviously, on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on a whole bunch of different places. Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Music... And, uh, and, and we're expanding where, oh, James, James, uh, I, you know this, but the listener doesn't necessarily know this. This is going to be a callback for some of you, but exciting news, James, because once again, I get to tell you for real this time that hit the deck is on Spotify. Yes. All right. We are finally, truly, and legitimately available on Spotify. And so, as a result, I get to keep saying Spotify. And so, enjoy us there. So, if you have not already done so, please find a place to subscribe so you always have access to the podcast whenever it drops. If we're a day late like we were this week, you won't have to go searching crazy like, oh, it's it's always out. I missed it. Why, why can't I find it? It'll just drop when it drops and you'll have it. So, you know, it works out for everybody. So subscribe to us there. Subscribe to us on YouTube. And if you want to join the conversation, we would always encourage you to do that. As I said, we can be reached at hit the deck 
Deck is spelled D-E-K. Hit the deck at gmail.com. We are Hit the Deck Pod on Twitter, and we are Hit the Deck on Facebook and Instagram. Lots of places to get us. So please get going and get us. And uh, with that being said, James, is there anything that you would care to add here at the end? Yes, thank you. Why, thank you. Looking for places to play deck? Please check out the Columbus Deck Hockey Association, the Charlotte Street Hockey League, the Raleigh Street Hockey League, the VAR Hockey League, the DCSH, the DCHL, and Deck Superstars. And of course, please donate to LaGrange Hockey and follow M Power Play. And thanks for listening. Thank you, James. And of course, dear listener, we would thank you as ever to remember here at the end of the podcast that whether you are just messing around, having a blast, or taking your skills to the international level, whether you take a toke or took a toke, regardless of what you find yourself doing, I would always encourage you to remember, it's deck hockey, don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody! We hope we entertained you. <clears throat> that, that's, that sounds like I'm going through puberty. <laughs>